Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Today our topic is Ag in Education. If you've got any questions for us or if you'd like to talk about that topic or anything else that's going on in your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's uh, 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute. With this topic of ag and education, I, I just say this. I feel like as a farmer, people don't know, the general public doesn't realize what we do. So if you look at the United States and in Canada, we have just a tremendously abundant food supply, about the best in the world. The, our food supply is cheap, it's safe, it's healthy, and that's thanks to the farmers out there doing a fantastic job. But as a farmer, when I listen to almost anything on the news or you know stuff that people are talking about, all this social media stuff, it's usually hammering on agriculture like we're doing a bad job. So I think it's ridiculous. I think we need a lot more real-world ag education out there just even for the general public so whether it's in the classroom or you know anybody who is 30 40 50 80 years old whatever we have to continue putting that positive message out there because again i think we're doing a fantastic job in agriculture today so we'll talk about that throughout the show but right now let's get to the ag phd mailbag it's now mailbag time with brian and darren Got a sample from Michael here in western Kansas about manure. So it's a manure analysis, and he said, I'm wondering if the salt index or electrical conductivity is too high for me to be applying a 10 ton per acre rate. I'm in western Kansas. I get about 18 inches of moisture per year. Okay, so... The problem here is all I have is electrical conductivity as well as a whole bunch on the nutrients, but I don't have salt. So the one thing that you're asking about is the one in, thing in that I don't have. In terms of pounds per acre. Right. And that's what I'm after. So just as a general statement here, and I, you know, with the lab you're working with, you can talk to them on their feelings. But, but for example, we run our manure samples through Midwest Labs. And right at the bottom of every sample, it says to not apply more than 500 pounds of salt per acre per year. And that's if we have decent moisture conditions. I don't remember what the, the figure is. I think it was 24 inches of precip or something like that, 24 inches of rain. So don't quote me on that, but it's, it's around that, that figure. The point is they, they continue on to say, look, if you're getting less rainfall, you should probably cut back from that 500 pounds even. So with your area, number one, if it's just dry land, then I might be thinking a little less than 500 pounds, but if it's irrigated, maybe more. But two, I, I just, I need that, that figure on the salt. So I, I don't have that. And I'd also be curious to see the soil test currently. So where I'm going with this is let's say that you have a really low sodium level and almost no salt currently in your ground, then you can probably push it a little further. Also, I'll, I'll say this. We've got a great big dairy that's right next to us. And when some of their people were talking to us about how many gallons of manure we wanted to apply, they said, well, look, at some point, we're going to have lots of manure. There might be some year or whatever where we have lots what would it take for you guys to put more on than 
you normally would, than you're normally comfortable with. So in other words, to exceed that 500 pounds of salt per acre. And I said, well, we could do it if we buried it. So if we got it down, let's say running 14 to 20 inches deep in the ground, I'd be fine with that because now we have more separation between where the manure is and the, the roots of the plant. So that would be my next thought is if you had a way to put it deeper, you can put on more. In terms of just nutrients and you say 10 tons, I, I don't think you're you're getting too crazy on the nutrient side. I mean, it'd be pushing a little bit on the phosphorus end of things, but certainly not pushing it in terms of nitrogen and potassium. So you wouldn't get to like super excessive levels. But again, without seeing the soil test, I can't give you a, a, a fantastic answer. And definitely without seeing how much salt there is per ton, I can't give you a solid answer on your, your specific question. All right, thanks for the question. Got a very specific one here, Brian. This comes from Rod. He said, I accepted delivery on some Liberty 280SL herbicide, and there's a red foam on top of the chemical. I'm wondering, what is it? Is there a problem with that, and what do I do about it? I don't think I have any problem with it. Do you, Darren? I don't know that that's unusual, is it? No, 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 no. That's what I'm getting at. So, when you actually start to use the Liberty, or quite frankly, for any herbicide, you could run into foaming. So that's one of the reasons why there are companies that sell, I mean, most every retailer has defoamer, and you can throw that in your spray tank. Just don't get too carried away with how much you're throwing in, but you use just a little bit, and that will take care of that foaming problem. All right, I got this one from Dave, and he said, hey, guys, there's a local fertilizer dealer that says I can buy carbon for my soil for $0.35 cents a pound. Is this true? He recommends putting on 200 pounds per acre. Have you done any work with <laughs> applying carbon? <laughs> well, I don't know what source we're talking about here. So there are an, an incredible amount of sources of carbon. So I don't know if you give us some more specifics, then I can, we can probably better answer your question. But if <laughs> the statement is just, well, here, buy some carbon. Uh, I, I, I don't know that that's going to help you at all. And you just spent a bunch of money. So yes, I'm pretty skeptical skeptical. But without getting any more information from you, I would just say if it's something you want to try, go ahead. Just try it on a few acres so you don't spend much. All right. Today we're going to be talking about ag in education on today's Ag PhD radio program. Certainly as we travel around this country and around the world, it's been fun to see all the different educational programs that are available for people of all ages about agriculture. But let's face it, we all need to do more. There's a lot of people that really don't understand how their food is being produced, and they don't necessarily trust us in how we're doing it. So we're going to get into that just a little bit on today's program. We'll also take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this. It came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard-to-kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 Herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush-after-flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about agricultural education on today's program, and also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Brian and I both grew up in an area where we were really fortunate. We've, we've gotten to travel to a lot of different places around the world, and many of those places, the thing they're most jealous of, uh, other than wealth, but the thing they're most jealous of, of people in the United States, is the access to education. Oh, I wish we had some of the ag education programs that, that you guys have available to you. And, you know, you think about that as an American. Do you think about that? Or, or as a Canadian, if you're listening uh, north of the border, you're saying, man, we got a great ag educational program too. And yes, we do. We've got some great programs here in North America and many parts of the world are, are really jealous of that. And we don't think about that enough that, wow, we got to be thankful that we've got some of these opportunities here. Uh, got Cindy Heidelberger with us right now at South Dakota Ag in the classroom. And you know what, Cindy? I know you don't take that for granted. You know how much work it takes to put these programs together. And even just to get the classrooms to still allow the ag education. That's been a, a tough thing, too, with all the requirements our kids have. It really has, and it's such an important commodity for our students to have access to. And with ag education, especially in the elementary section, you've really got to have a core curriculum area like your science or your math or your social studies to link it to so that there's a natural progression and our teachers can see where it fits in seamlessly because they have so much on their plate that they need to deal with. So everything we can do to make it easier for them is just a win-win situation. 
Yeah, I've often talked about that. I know Brian. Brian's always been a big math guy. That was always a, a super fun subject for for him, and it was for me too. But I look at today how much math I use in agriculture, and how much computer science I use, and in science, and social studies, and all these things. When you actually look at at some of the lessons that your kids are learning in school, and you say, "Man, I, I have real world experience that ties back to that." You're you're absolutely right. There's a great connection here with ag. There really is, and I think there are other areas, too, that we need to touch into. Certainly your computer programming and your technology for your production agriculture aspects, too, but your communications, your marketing. How do we tell the the story effectively? How do we engage those students that have more of the creative bent so that they can bring that into into forwarding the story and and the creativity of what agriculture also has to present? But I also think some of the uh, some of the things that I've heard, especially coming out of our high school and into our college age students, is the critical thinking and the problem solving skills that some of our ag um, sections really have a nice opportunity to instruct our students in, looking at a situation and saying, "How do I fix this?" or "How do I how do I increase efficiency for this particular model or this particular um, problem? How how do I how do I come up with a creative solution?" and that that can be taught through that as well. Those are two really key skills on the farm because almost nothing goes to plan. It, the weather's going to throw something at you. The the markets are going to throw something at you. So I love it. Those are those are some great skills that farmers need, but but so do everybody, or so does every other person out there. Well, yeah, and we're not all armed with a roll of duct tape that we can automatically whip out and <laughs> and fix whatever it is that we're looking at. We've got to have some other tools in our in our toolbox to be able to pull from. All right. When you look at different age groups, uh, obviously there's there's a different message that you're giving at different ages. But when when does South Dakota Ag in the classroom get started for for students here? We really look at the fourth grade, and that's really a pivotal, uh, important area because intellectually our students are starting to think a little bit beyond themselves. Um, they're reading for less identification and more interpretation. They're starting to see that the, they have an impact in the world around them and that they have some, some say in some of the decision makings. So really in that fourth grade level, and then you start to get into your fifth and sixth grade where you're starting to talk about practical application and you're beginning to talk about careers. Where do they fit into this entire tapestry and why is it important for their voice and their talent and their abilities um, to be tapped into and also to retain that within South Dakota so that they see that their importance um, is, is necessary within that story of South Dakota. You know, looking at small towns in really all these agricultural areas around the world, there's just so many small towns that keeping that young talent in town and working on these farms is so, so important. Seeing that there's opportunity, seeing that there's a place for them, uh, I think that's a big deal. And, And when I look at ag education, just looking at the opportunities that are out there that exist for students, where do you see the the big interest right now? What are some of the things in agriculture that are drawing students in? I think technology is huge. I think looking at production agriculture is 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 going to continue to take the forefront. Um, they want to see, they're all gamers. They're all on Snapchat. They're all, you know, using all of these other apps. Well, there's a whole section of students, quite a lot of them actually, that are thinking up 
what is the next new app or how do I parlay TikTok and that whole concept of TikTok into into the agricultural world. I don't think we've seen anything yet in terms of what technology and communication will have um, on our plate for, for impact in agriculture. But I also think leadership is really, really important for these students. Um, a lot of them kind of are bopping through a little bit aimlessly, not knowing where it is that they're headed and not knowing what it is that they're doing. If we can provide for them a way that they can see where their talents and their abilities are being fostered, and that that has an impact not only just in their small community, but further out. They see their influence further reaching, and I think that really speaks something to our students. They all want to reach the masses. That's why they're all doing Snapchat. That's why they're all doing TikTok, because they have these dreams of, oh, I'm going to create this, this huge following of people and, 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 and do something amazing. Well, we can start that on a smaller level and build them as leaders and as community members and just watch their talent continue to grow. Oh, you're so right. Cindy Heidelberger here with South Dakota <laughs> Ag in the Classroom. Cindy, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. We've got Heidi Zwing around with us right now with Ag United. And uh, Heidi, I know you echo a lot of the, the same things that Cindy has in terms of experience with kids, but uh, there are a lot of things that your program offers too. One of them that I really like is the Adopt-A-Farmer program. That's been really interesting. I know my kids have been part of that a little bit too, and they just love seeing what farmers are doing on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we do with the Adopted farmer program, you know, we take a find some local farmers and they record some footage throughout the month of what they're doing on the farm, whether it's a dairy farm or a pig farm or a, a beef producer. And, you know, we, we get those videos put together and send them to the classroom. And then they watch the video and they make that kind of personal connection to the farmer. Um, and then they are able to come back and ask questions if they have questions. And sometimes, honestly, the teachers have probably more questions than some of the students do. But it's just um, really a way to bring that um, the one-on-one -on -one connection from agriculture and this is my adopted farmer and this is what he does on his farm or her farm and um, bring that connection to the classroom to those kids. Yeah, you mentioned that, that it's uh, sometimes people think, oh, farmers are, are definitely uh, old guys out there on the farm, but it's not. It's young people. It's men. It's women. Uh, the, the amount of, of women now who are running farm operations, it's not quite 50% yet, but it's sure trending that way. And that's got to be exciting for a lot of the students. It is. I think it's exciting for students and it's exciting for those of us in agriculture. And I often remind people that, you know, a lot of times the women have been there doing the work. It's just that they didn't always have their, their name on the front line. Um, so, but it's good to, to draw more attention to that. And um, right now, I think we only have one, one female adopted farmer. But um, having been one myself when I was on the dairy, it's a great way to, to show kids that it doesn't have to be a male-dominated thing in agriculture, whether it's on the farm or within the ag industry, there's plenty of room for, for males and females alike. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing I want to talk to you just a little bit about, Heidi, and we got a break coming up. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the, the on-farm open house tour type events. Can you hang on for just a minute and talk to us about that? Yep, I can. 
We're talking about ag education on our show today, and I hope you're getting the feeling already that, wow, this this involves all of us. It's so important that we communicate what we're doing on the farms. And to all of our consumers out there who are wondering how their food is produced, it's, very, it's a very interesting topic. We'll be right back after this. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. This is a wake-up call for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year. It's January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. back. We're talking about ag education on today's Ag PhD radio show, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. 
Real happy to have Heidi Zwinger on with us right now with Ag United. And Heidi, I should probably mention this too. Uh, talk to us about Ag United because one of the things that, that we found challenging in agriculture is we're a smaller number of people and there are a lot of different groups, whether it's livestock groups or crop groups or, or whatnot. Working together can be pretty powerful. How did Ag United come together and, and what have been some of the real positive things there? Well, Ag United was started back in 2004 and really as a way to assist producers to, through navigating zoning um, ordinances and regulations, if they wanted to expand their livestock operation, whether it be with a, a dairy or a hog barn or a cattle barn, or even just um, making upgrades to a feedlot system, it was really created to help navigate that. But as time has gone on and more and more um, agricultural industry partners have come in and kind of taken up some of that space. Ag United has shifted more in, we do more and more consumer outreach, um, like we talked about earlier with the Adopted Farmer Program. And then we also do a lot of, um, I guess, information for the general public, you know, from social media accounts to newsletters, on-farm open house events, restaurant events, you know, we're and we're always trying to add more things and reach more people that want to know more about agriculture. Yeah, it's been fantastic for, for our area and for the producers in our state, but but also for so many consumers out there. We get lots of people that really enjoy going to the open houses and visiting a dairy farm or visiting a, a hog operation or whatnot. It takes a lot to, to make those events successful, and I know we get growers in different parts of the country that say, man, that'd be awesome if someone was doing that in our area. What would what kind of advice would you give if somebody said, you know, we'd like to do some farm open houses in our area. Where do we begin? Um, I guess I would tell them first to call us because we've obviously done it before. So we're happy to partner with farms and do a lot of the legwork and the planning um, with uh, whether you're setting up the food, what, what you're going to eat, if you need a tent to eat in, all of the promotions and the advertising, we can take care of all that. Um, really what we need is farmers who are willing to open their doors and industry stakeholders who are willing to help us finance the, the open houses as well. Yeah, it's really fun seeing parents with children at these types of events because the kids ask great questions and they, they come in with perceptions of where chocolate milk comes from and these kinds of simple things. Uh, but we, we think, oh, the adults know most of these answers. And I know you had made a comment that sometimes in the classroom, the teachers may ask more questions than the students do. I think it just makes this environment where it's safe to ask all kinds of questions. Absolutely. And that's, you know, any time we can get a consumer to a farm, even if, if they grew up where grandpa had a farm, it's so different. The modern agriculture that we have today, whether it's a dairy or a hog farm, cattle, deep pit cattle barn, whatever it is, our, our technologies and our conveniences have changed the way things look. So to be able to get them in to see what a modern farm looks like, I always say we kind of we built these barns to protect the livestock, and we closed this door, and people can't see in. So an open, an open house farm event is an opportunity to bring people in and let them see. And, yeah, it's, it's a great way for them to ask questions in a very, um, very easy, calm environment. And, granted, you're not going to be able to answer all their questions in one farm visit, but it's also about making that connection and, like, when they have a question somewhere down the road, they're either going to come back to that farmer that they met 
or to Ag United and say, hey, you know, I have a question about this or my my community group would love to have you come and talk to us more about agriculture. So it's just kind of um, compounding your reach, I guess. So like I said, anytime we can get somebody on a farm and let them see for themselves, it just makes an incredible impact. We're talking with Heidi Zwinger here with South Dakota Ag United. And Heidi, where can people find more information about what your group is doing? Uh, we are, uh, our website is www.agagunited.org. Uh, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as South Dakota Farm Families. And, um, yeah, otherwise just Google us. I'm sure you'll find us. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to talk about some of the things that we're doing. And uh, I always like to throw in there that, you know, we um, we have worked to build an audience for agriculture and share the story, but we can't do it without farmers. So if you're a farmer who wants to share a little bit more, we have lots of different ways to do it. You don't have to invite a 1,000 people to your farm. You could be featured in a newsletter or on a social media post. So we have lots of different ways to, to share, the story of, share the story of agriculture. Yeah, we have so much to offer, and I know you may not think that you're this special farmer out there, but you are. Everyone is unique. Everybody's got a different story to tell, and in agriculture, man, we've got some great stories. Heidi, thank you so much. We really appreciate what you do, and thanks for joining us today. All right, thank you. Set up to South Dakota State University. We've got Laura Hasselquist with us right now. And Laura, I wanted to talk a little bit about ag education and, and hear from you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. When when we brought up the topic of ag education, uh, there are a lot of our, our, our uh, people putting these shows together that said, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to talk to uh, a lot of different people. But what is the future of ag education with all the technology that we've got now and just this great platform to reach lots of people beyond our farms? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, we are really in an exciting age uh, for agricultural education. And so my specialty is school-based high school ag classes. So that's um, typically associated with your local FFA chapter. And so one of the great things we're seeing is an explosion of programs in places we've never had programs before um, in suburban and urban areas and lots of um, you know, rural schools who maybe had an egg program at one time, but then it closed down and now they want to reopen it. So we're really at this great point of just having egg, uh, egg programs pop up, not just in South Dakota, uh, but around the country. And so we're starting to see um, a wide variety of classes being offered. Um, you know, of course, there's, you know, your animal science, your welding, your traditional classes, but we're also starting to see some innovative things too, like the farm to fork um, aspects. We're starting to see greenhouses and natural resources incorporated into the high school egg classes. We're starting to see, um, um, you know, a lot of industry technology come into the classrooms. Thanks to Carl Perkins funding, we're starting to see greenhouses pop up. So it's really kind of amazing to watch this growth of ag ed programs across the country and in South Dakota. Uh, the opportunities are, are tremendous. And I think about all the kids that are seeing these things that didn't even know some of these things were possible. You mentioned the urban and suburban areas, but even in rural America, there's a lot of kids that aren't growing up on farms that really don't know there's a future in agriculture for them if they'd like it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the greatest strengths of our programs are a lot of in the rural communities 
Um, in our middle schools especially, we see kids um, taking like an intro to ag class as a sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader, and exploring ag class to get introduced to the wide variety of benefits that, you know, include both production ag, but also, you know, folks like you working in the ag industry as well. And so they get to be exposed to a variety of careers and start to think, oh, you know, because sometimes I think it's easy if you see yourself as an arts kid, like, oh, there's no place in agriculture for me. And that's not true. There's so many career opportunities. And so as a sixth grader, it's like, hey, you're really into art. What? We need graphic designers to tell our story. You're into advertising and commercials. We need people to tell us, like, help spread the word about agriculture and agricultural products and support um, the commodity groups as well. So it's really about getting kids exposed to the the um, depth and breadth of the agriculture industry at an early age, and so that when they do get into high school, they can start to pick classes that align with their interests and maybe can help propel them towards a career in the industry. We're talking with Laura Hasselquist here with South Dakota State University. Laura, we're up against a break. Can I have you hang on through the break? We'd love to continue talking. Absolutely. We're discussing ag education on today's Ag PhD radio program, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. And we'll be right back after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. 
My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH. Built by farmers. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Talking about ag in education on today's program and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Real happy to have Laura Hasselquist with us today with South Dakota State University. Uh, Laura, thanks for hanging on there through the break. No problem. All right, so there, there are quite a few things. You had just mentioned uh, before the break talking about which classes kids need to get involved in. And I think getting a good advisor is always really important as you're setting yourself up for your future opportunities. What do you encourage for students that are interested in ag education or or just in agriculture in general? Because there are so many diverse skills that you need to have to be successful in either. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I think it depends on the age you're looking at. So if you're in six, like, you know, if you're a middle school student or a high school student, and you're thinking about going into the field of agriculture, whether it's as an agriculture education teacher or an agronomist or whatnot, I think talking to your high school ag teacher about what classes you recommend to take to prepare yourself knowledge-wise. Otherwise, if you just think, oh, I'm, I maybe would just want to go into agriculture, but I don't know, I would encourage you to take a broad range of classes um, at your, that are offered at your local school because you never know what's going to spark your interest. Um, if you're you know, looking to go on to um, the post-secondary level, I think campus visits, um, whether it's at SDSU or Mitchell Tech or Southeast Tech, um, are great opportunities for you to see what college life is like and to start to see what are some classes that you might be interested in taking and the facilities they have as well. You know, in addition to classes, you mentioned FFA and some of the opportunities there. Certainly there are internships. And I see just in my local community, a lot of young people, whether it's, I would say primarily high schoolers, but but also people that are in college looking for jobs on different farms and trying to find farms. It seems like that technology piece is one that really draws people in to, to find opportunities where they can really help. Yeah, that is um, that is so true. One of the great things about agriculture, Ag education, whether at um, at the high school or college or post-secondary level, is it's really about that hands-on nature and getting that experience. And so kids want to be in places where they can learn how to, you know, use drones or precision agriculture or work with the latest um, RFID technology in the cattle industry. You know, so they really like to see how it's applied in the field, and um, so they can get a little taste of it in the classroom. And so there's things that we may do and talk about. But until they get out and work in industry on those internships, that's where they get that really great hands-on experience. 
Well, I know for, for the farmers that we talk to, we, we ask farmers all across North America, what's the toughest thing on the farm today? And a lot of them will say labor and getting new people coming into the business. Uh, there, there are farmers that, that I know that are retiring that don't have anyone to pass the farm on down to and, and desperately wanted to find young people. Where do you see the opportunities there and, and are there programs in place to, to help in those situations? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And I, I don't know if there's a, a solid answer for that, right? Because that's kind of the conundrum. So if you are looking to have a young person get involved um, at your um, farm or ranch, the first thing I would say is contact your local ag teacher. They might have a student in mind who is looking to get some experience, who's looking to try some things. Um, sometimes um, one of the components of ag education is this uh, something called a supervised agricultural experience. And so sometimes students want to be involved with that, but don't have a place to get involved with that. And so they could maybe, you know, have someone come work on their farm as part of that SAE um, or just have, you know, have someone who's really interested. Like t- teachers are a great resource for for students and they can help you get connected to them as well. Absolutely. And I, I often tell people, you've got to be willing to step outside your boundaries just a little bit that oh, I'm nervous about uh, talking to this person or that person or, oh, they farm in the next town over. Who cares? That might be a great opportunity for you. And, you know, I, I just see so many people just don't ask and they don't take that extra step to to look for those opportunities. They, they definitely are out there. Now, one opportunity I'm pretty aware of is at land grant universities. And of course, uh, Brian and I both went to South Dakota State, so we're pretty. We know our university fairly well, but but Laura, there's been a lot of change at South Dakota State, and I would assume at other land grant universities as well to to get up to speed on a lot of things that people are going to need to know for the next twenty and thirty years to set themselves up for success. So, what can you tell us that's happening at land grant university uh, in terms of ag education and and setting this next generation up? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And so I can um, confidently say, like, we are um, really kind of, I feel like, in a rejuvenation phase of egg education. Um, like most egg ed- education, it, it ebbs and flows certain things, you know, or um, prioritize and then deprioritize. But I really feel like we've just had this explosion of high school egg programs and so they want egg teachers and so then that demand comes to the like the college level of like produce more egg teachers and so we're starting to see more egg ed programs pop up um, at non-land grant universities as well so we're excited for that but um, when we look to the future of egg ed about what does that look like at the land grant we're starting to see a lot of um, specifically here at SDSU we look to see about giving our kids and our pre-service teachers more and more time in the field in the high school classroom. So we want you to get comfortable being around students before you student teach, right? Like that sounds um, so fundamental, but it really is true. We're trying to like, even as if you come in at SDSU as a freshman, by the time you're a sophomore, we're already sending you out to high school ag classrooms to, to advise, to observe and get involved to slowly start kind of building your skill set before you go out the door as a student teacher um, to leave um, and get your own classroom. So you really have spent a lot of time with students to prepare yourself for your own classroom. 
Yeah, there's such a difference that a good high school teacher can make in inspiring that next generation. We we see that in our state of South Dakota where 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 there's a great FFA program. Those kids just I don't know, there's there's more kids that want to get into ag education and and pass that forward for all the the great uh, inspiration that they've gotten from their teachers. So uh, I think, yes, that's a, that sounds great to me. Get those young people back out in those classrooms. They're all fired up, they're excited, and they really can connect with those next students coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And we know, um, what we know, what we know from research is when our ag ed kids come in here, there's um, three people that like are really important in encouraging them to pursue agriculture. Their high school ag teacher, um, their parents and respected family members can really have a huge impact. So if you are, you know, a parent or an uncle or a cousin or an aunt and you have a kid in your family that you think would be a good teacher, you see them at the county fair and they're doing a great job helping their younger siblings learn how to fit that sheep, encourage them to be an egg teacher. We need egg teachers from all walks of life. So if there's a young person in your life that you think would be a great teacher, encourage them. That's what I would say to that. Yeah, it's it's a great skill, and we do hear from farmers all the time say, what can we do to support ag education in our area, and what can we do to support the teachers that are already there to make sure that they're successful? And I think you've identified a few things. Open, open up your farm. Open up your operation. Come in those classrooms. I, I'm certain that people that are already involved in agriculture would be welcome in a high school classroom. Oh, absolutely. And just, um, you know, getting to know your local ag teacher. And if you, you, you're in a community that doesn't have one, that doesn't mean you can't be a part of it. You can maybe, maybe the next community has one. Um, the National Teach Ag campaign is a great resource if you want, if you're not in South Dakota and you want to get involved with your local communities, they can direct you to who key people are in your state to get um, connected that way. Um, but getting to know your local ag teacher is is important and then asking them like, hey, I know sometimes you have a livestock judging team. I can help with that. You can come have practices on my farm. Or, hey, I know you have an agronomy team. I can I can coach that. I did that event when I was in high school, right? So coming and offering to help is also greatly appreciated by egg teachers as well. Uh, great stuff here. We're talking with Laura Hasselquist with South Dakota State University. Laura, thanks for what you do. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show today, too. It was great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate the chance to talk about AgEd because it's such a great field. Uh, it is so important, too, when we look at this next generation coming up and we think about how many things in agriculture are changing and moving forward at such a rapid pace, uh, having great teachers out there and having people willing to share their ag education with others is going to be so important uh, moving forward. Well, uh, we can't have an Ag PhD show without diving into the Ag PhD mailbag and taking your calls and questions. We'll do that coming up next. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, 
your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. How do you make 300 bushel corn on your farm? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, February 1st, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that rob yield potential. If you want a roadmap to 300 bushel corn and beyond, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events that we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in soybeans and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information that we can't wait to share with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we are right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Just got one in, and I forwarded it on to you as well, Brian. This one came in from Corey, wondering about nutrient stratification. He said, I've got my soil test results here. i got four samples. All the soil was pulled in the same 30-foot area. One month before these were pulled, I spread 125 pounds of 0062 and 100 pounds of 1240, 0, and 10 sulfur. And I received close to 2 inches of rain. This is one month ago. I expected the top to be a little bit hotter after this, and I plan to use the same spot in the spring to track movement. So my top sample comes from the 1 to 2-inch uh, level. The next one, I said center. That's from three to four inch. And the bottom is five to six inch. And a complete one is just the normal zero to six inch core. Now, my dad started no-tilling 22 years ago, and I am not about to erase all that hard work by plowing the ground up. How much yield am I losing? And what would good solutions be to my nutrient stratification issue? This ground will produce 70 plus bushel beans, 100 plus bushel wheat, 200 plus bushel corn. We are in Southeast Wisconsin. All right, Corey, thanks for the information. And you know what? 
kudos to you for doing the homework. We talk about this a lot, about pulling soil tests every one or two inches. You did it on your farm, and you saw some differences out there, and you're asking the appropriate question, now what do I do? Well, here's the whole thing. This is not uncommon to what we see in long-term no-till, where the top two inches has twice as much fertility as the next two inches and four times as much fertility as down at five to six inches deep. Do I love that? No, I do not. Is it going to absolutely destroy you on yield? No, of course not. But the thing is, you have to just think about things logically and say, all right, when I get down into that five, six inch range, which is where, quite frankly, most of my roots are at, or I shouldn't even say most, there are a lot more roots at five to six inches than there are in the top two inches, okay? There's also more soil moisture there. So I'm not as worried about the fact that you have a good level in your top two inches. I'm just concerned that as you get down, you don't have a lot of fertility there. That's my, that's my issue. So the question I think you have to ask yourself is how can I get more fertility down deep in the ground? And number one, if you went out there and let's say you moldboard plowed, okay, first of all, it's not going to totally destroy the work that's been done over 20 years. But so they've, I think it was University of Nebraska had this study that they just did a year ago or completed a year ago showing that, look, if you want to do massive tillage once every 10 or 20 years, it's not going to totally destroy things. I'm not suggesting that here, and here's why. Because you don't have that many nutrients in the top two inches. If you had so much that it was to the point where it's hurting you, that's when we say you need to stir it all up. You're at I'm not even going to say great levels in your top two inches. You're at good levels in your top two inches, okay? So there's no reason to stir it all up because now all you're going to do is make all your ground below average. You have two inches that are good. Let's start figuring out how do we make the stuff below that good. And I would just say you got to look at putting more on with the planter and maybe even going out with some kind of coulter to go down a little bit. Now, potassium actually can move down in the ground to some degree with moisture. So if you put on a little bit more K, get on a little bit more of a K build, you'll be okay because the average in your ground is only 2% in that top six inches. So that is not enough for great yields. So get more K on there, and it hopefully will move down. The nutrients were most worried, I mean, it's going to take years, but at least it could potentially move down if, if that's how you choose to put your K on. Phosphorus, zinc, and copper, those are the three big ones that they basically don't move. And that's the reason why you see such a disparity where it's literally like eight times as much in the top two inches as opposed to with some of these other nutrients where it's only two or four times as much. Okay, so those three nutrients, somehow, some way, if you can get some down deeper with a coulter, with your planter, something, that would really help. Again, that's phosphorus, copper, and zinc. All right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate those samples. It's great information, Corey, and uh, hopefully you can use that to improve your farm. All right. Got this question that came in from Doug, and he said, I am in coastal northern California. We still have some days that are 60 degrees plus, but the dew just doesn't dry out anymore. I'm wondering if I can still spray. Here's my situation. I've got chickweed growing in our goat pasture that I'd like to control. Now we've got perennial ryegrass, medium red clover, a little bit of orchard grass and fescue, 
but also redwood trees. And the trees are our cash crop, so I don't want to damage them. The goats will eat everything to the point of damaging the pasture stand before they ever touch this chickweed. I'm wondering, can I spray 240 in a backpack? Since I'm just spot spraying, can I use a stronger rate? I know I'm going to ding up the red clover, but I really don't care. I can overseed that if it's too thin or if you got a better alternative to wipe out chickweed. Yes, you can use 2,4-D. Just make sure you use the new stuff, Freelix, so it doesn't volatilize and drop some leaves off your trees. And you should be in good shape. And as far as the rate, you, you want to use the highest labeled rate. That's all, as agronomists, we can recommend you do. Now, how much are you getting on there exactly? That's really debatable when you're running with a backpack sprayer. So what I always looked at is if I'm not just slightly turning the grass brown, I probably am not at the full labeled rate. So that's how I used to kind of judge it. But you can also just simply judge it by, all right, you're going to do it once. Did you kill the chickweed or not? If you did, great. That's the right rate. If you didn't, you probably have to go with a little stronger rate. All right. Thanks for the question. I got this one from William down in central North Carolina. He said, we generally have milder winters here and we have lots of ornamental bed and turf weeds. What I'm wondering about is winter pre-emergence. Do you feel that it's effective to put one down even in these cooler temperatures? I'm using flumioxazin and indazaflam in most ornamental areas, including turf. My reasoning is that mulch areas are typically warmer uh, and should still provide a hospitable environment for weeds to grow, thus highlighting the need for the pre-emerge. Just wondering, is there a concern for reduced performance, or am I good with my reasoning? I think that sounds pretty reasonable. Now, the biggest thing we always talk about, so we have listeners from all across Canada and the United States. That's an enormous area. And when we talk about fall and winter pre-emerge type herbicides, it, that fall-winter time frame means something different to everybody. So like right now, I can't spray anything on my ground or I shouldn't spray anything on my ground because it's frozen solid. I don't know how deep, 12 inches deep, let's call it. So if you're in an area that doesn't get a frost or you only get a little, a tiny little bit of frost, then spraying something now is probably just fine. So that that's my biggest I would call it question because I don't know exactly what the temperatures are or anything else or when, let's say, a spring crop's going to be raised. Or I, All I'm saying here is I, I'm great with using pre-emerge herbicides on a regular basis and the timing is going to vary depending on the person that I'm talking to based on when the weeds are going to come and how much frost they've got in the ground. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. Get this one in from Mark. And he said, I'm wondering, we hear about amino acids being used foliar in crops like corn. For what reason would farmers do that? What are the benefits that you've seen from using amino acids foliar? Uh, go ahead, Darren, and then I'll finish it up. Well, Here's the thing. in, in uh, When we talk about biological or natural things, it's not just microbes that are being used. It's not just bacteria and fungi. One of the exciting things that we've seen is more organic acids and more amino acids being used. Now, with amino acids, one of the neat things is a lot of these products are labeled really as nitrogen uh, assisters or nitrogen replacements. And, and there is a broad range of, of what we're going to see. But on the label, it may say it's a 
200 or a 1000. So you see that there is some nitrogen in there. And oftentimes what we're looking for is protein. We're trying to produce some proteins or trigger different steps in protein processes within plants. Next week during our wheat workshop, if you come to that, we're going to talk just a little bit about this very topic. And our research this last year showed really good gains with amino acids at green up in winter wheat or herbicide timing in spring wheat. And it basically helps speed that plant up with photosynthesis or make it more, uh, more efficient with photosynthesis. So we were getting a lot more yield. So it was really good. Yeah, lots of excitement there. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. I had a fun show today talking about agricultural education and had some great guests on as well. I want to say thanks again to, to all those folks who were on today contributing to the show. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.